So where do I start? There was a song, there was a word in a song. Um, mighty in battle, faithful and just. You're awesome in all of your ways. Um, I was thinking to myself, there, it's there, thanks. <clears throat> Dane, you're legend. Mighty in battle, perfect in love. There we go. Faithful and just. So we know he's perfect in love. We know he's awesome in faith, but mighty in battle. I suddenly just saw God in the Old Testament because often we relate, we know he's mighty in battle, but it's such a generation past that we know he was mighty in battle in those days. And I've been reading a lot of the battles. Gideon, I've been reading through David and his mighty men. Oh, my word. It's like, really? It's the same God? You mustn't forget, it's the same Father that did those things in those days in physical battle with swords and spears is the same God who battles for us, his children, now in the age of the church and the New Testament church. But he battles differently, hey? Because what did he say to Peter when he struck that guy's ear, the God? He said, we battle differently, and he healed that man. The battle is now not flesh and blood. It's what? It's a spiritual battle. So he's still mighty in battle. He hasn't changed. But the battle has changed. So we get that. It's a spiritual battle. But I think sometimes we don't see how mighty in battle he is in our time and what he's doing in our time because it's spiritual and it takes discernment and wisdom to see it. It's not like we walk out of here and Greenpoint Park is just a battlefield and there's blood and swords. Some of the guys would love that, you know. But like that physical thing you can see, okay, I get you, Lord. When you say you might, I understand. Like, whoa, you're so powerful. I'm terrified and I'm in awe and wonder. But we forget we should be in awe and wonder at the battle that rages now. And so I wanted to talk, and I'm probably going to do this in two parts. I just have a sense I need to launch it and then finish it after next weekend when we're back. And uh, it's a, the battlefield is our soul. Uh, our battle, the battlefield now, the spiritual battle, is very much for the souls that are lost in the world. And he's battling also, the battle is also raging in our own souls. And I wanted to talk a little bit about our part our part that we play for the health of our souls and then the Lord's part and what he's done for us. Maybe Dane can show a picture or two that many of us will know very well and find very uh, interesting. Where are those trees, everybody? Where exactly on the prom? You should all know. I mean, I run past, eh? so I think it's by the pool there. <laughs> I, I, I've always marveled at those trees. Especially the ones that go, like, I didn't get the ones that go over the car. If you park your car, if you're lucky enough, you get shade. You know that one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's one or two that, like, a small car can just fit under. Yeah. And then you've got berries for days or stuff for days. But I looked at those trees over the years, and then I, 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 the tree kind of hit me in the holidays of, like, that tree is massively bent out of shape. It's pretty, like, it's, there's no way back for it. It's been it's been demolished, and it, it, it feels to me like, sorry, there's anyone elderly, but it feels like some of those grandparents that just can't get up. They've got such bad backs, and you can see the pain sometimes when a man or woman walks that is so bent over, and that's a picture very much of our souls. Even though we're born again and saved, and everything the Lord has done for us, where he's made us righteous in Christ immediately, and he saved our soul immediately, very often our Christian journey to the very end when we're crowned with salvation, we can look like that in various degrees. And certainly this is the battle that I believe 
for us to walk in the more that he's called us to, we need to also see that in some parts of us, we're still bent like a tree. I have my bends. Some of them are in my personality. That's what God's been speaking to me about even the most. He deals with our character. We know that. Sometimes just our little ways of speaking, behaving, responding, hot attitude, little personality uh, traits or quirks can keep us in a shape that he has more for us and he wants to. So let me start with the scripture. Well, let me start with this. Do you know that you can train yourself for godliness? You know, there's a scripture which I'm going to jump to. I think I might be way out of order, Dane, because I'm going to jump around. <clears throat> but in Timothy, 1 Timothy uh, 4, verse 7 and 8, Paul writes, have nothing to do with godless myths, thank you, or old wives' tales. <laughs> Rather, train yourself to be godly. This is to the church. This is to us, believers. For physical training is only of some value, but it holds value for for, um, but godliness holds value for all things. Spiritual training has some value. And we put a lot of effort into our physical training, don't we? We know it links to our health and our vitality points. And we know in this day and age, we really need to look after ourselves. But how much attention do we pay to training ourselves for godliness? Because the challenge is we can easily just rest in what the Lord has done for us. In one sense, we do. And I'll, maybe let me jump into that show you through scripture rather. So right at the start, in uh, 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17, I'm going to read from 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17, NIV, if possible, but just follow me wherever you are in your different versions. So from now on, we regard one another, we regard no one, sorry, according to the flesh. Remember that word in November, there was a word for us, I'll get to that. So now, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. Although we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Verse 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. The old has passed away. New creation, you and I. Okay. And behold, the new has come. That's what's happened to us. And all this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and then gave us ministry, something to do. The ministry of reconciliation. So the very thing that God the Father did for us through Christ, reconciled us to our heavenly Father and Creator, He's asked us to go and do the same with others, which is rescuing souls that are, that are dead. But what is He wanting to do with our soul? So in one way, I want to ask a question or two. Um, are you and I entirely a new creation as we stand here today. Because that scripture seemed to say we are a new creation. So are we fully new creation? So we are, but we're also not. And that's the challenge with scripture, especially in the New Testament, and especially with Paul. We seem to say one thing, but in other places, we, we have this old nature. And you think, but isn't the, isn't the old buried, and aren't we fully the new creation? Well, here's the thing. And I want us to just carefully go through this. Something happened when you and I were born again. In the heavenly realm, as God sees you and me, we are entirely a new creation. It's a legal term. Legally, my wife Taryn is a new creation as she remains in Christ Jesus. As the Father sees her, she's entirely new right now. But on the other hand, we've got some training 
towards godliness and some warfare to do with our souls so that our bent out of shape nature in the practical aligns with what's already happened in the spiritual. So there's two things that I just want to hover on. The old has passed away. We are new creations. So legally, the old has gone. The way the Father looks at me, legally, it is done and finished. We are new. We are righteous in His eyes forever. It's beautiful, and it's our place to live from. And it's our place to walk out our salvation from, with fear and trembling as we work out our salvation, as we battle to see our souls bent into shape, to grow in our, in our walk, and our maturity. But the second point that old nature is still going practically. <laughs> so on the one hand, we've got to hold the tension that legally it's, it's done. It's like the Father declares what the ending is and brings it right to the beginning when we're saved. He says, the end is, you're with me, righteous, new creation, old nature gone. And I say what I see at the end and I give it to you now. But now practically, our role in this journey of not looking like that tree, is that we, in the New Testament, are called to do a number of things. And you might re remember some phrases that go, sorry, let me just put this down. Some phrases in the New Testament that go, make every effort, or uh, clothe yourself, clothe yourself with righteousness. But I'm already righteous, Lord. So do I need to get dressed this morning? No, yes, we do. Because practically, if you don't get dressed, you're going to get some stairs, you know, on the road. We still need to get dressed. But spiritually, and Around the things of our soul, we need to still get dressed every day. And that getting dressed is clothing ourselves with Christ. That's scripture. So how do we do that? Well, we do that from a place knowing what he's already declared legally, that we know what he's done for us. Lord, I can rid myself. I rid my soul of the things that war against what you've done for me. Let me jump. Let me not get too carried away. I've got lots I want to share. So some of us today... Uh, most of us here, I'd imagine, are born-again believers. I have one or two visitors, but I would imagine 99% of us know the Lord, walking with Him, and are born again. For us, we might need to hear or get a certain shot of medicine. And, and that may be, um, let me say it like this. We need to remember that what He's done for us, that we may step into the promises knowing exactly that we are new creation that we had a right standing with him. For some of us, we might, need to, we might need to remember that walking out our our faith journey is a walking out our salvation with fear and trembling and actually getting before God and going, how is my soul? So what is our soul? To ask the question. It's quite, a, it's quite a broad picture. But our soul is made up of a few things. And I'll read them to you. Uh, our soul is made up of our will. So who's got a strong will here? How many of you look at strong wills? Be honest. <laughs> Johnny and Shosh. <laughs> My wife, you don't be sure. Hey, Mel and Armand. You did, you did. Who else? Come on, don't be sure. Amy. Hey, the guys are coming. We're looking for truth, eh? Truth in this place. Where's my daughter? <laughs> Why are the men so humble? Yeah. <laughs> okay. 
So are our wills, our wills. What is the will? I think the will is like the engine room. It's where everything comes from, the will. So picture an engine room or the engine of a car. That's that decision-making place. Our will is part of our soul. And our mind, eh? our mind, our mind, the way we think. The place that God says, renew your mind, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. There's another part of our journey of growing in our salvation is our mind. as part of the soul. And our emotions. Who's very, who's, who's very emotional in this place? Who's very feely-feely? Yeah, good. We've got to be honest. I can be emotional, I'm, I'm told. <laughs> but the challenge is if you're very, if you're very emotional... Be careful not let, to not let your emotions tell the engine where to go. Because that can happen. So your will is not directing you. Your mind can't even think properly because you're so emotional. But guess what happens? The engine gets directed by our feelings. We've got to be so careful. So this is why the soul, in a sense, is a journey and a lifetime of battling and working with our Father to, uh, to, to, um, to bring into more health, okay? All right. So you guys still with me? Legally. Legally, we're in this place. Okay, so I want to focus not so much on what the Lord's done, because we know uh, what He's done for us legally. We are, as we are in Christ, we are righteousness, the righteousness of God we have in Christ. We are new creations. The old is gone. It's only our enemy who reminds us of our past. Our sins are forgiven. Everything today. Our mercies are new this morning. The past is the past. Jesus has dealt with it by his blood. As we remain in Christ, it is the promise. It is the thing that we want to share with the world. It's the good news. It's the gospel. We need to explode with this stuff because this is the medicine that the broken and lost world need. We need it as well, but there's another shot of medicine that we also need, which is our role in this journey, the, the fear and trembling part, the working out our salvation, the growing up so we can never be what we were last year. That from November, when the Lord speaks over us, we begin to become like a tree should look and not bent over like those promenade trees. Mm. Now, Ephesians 4, 24 to 20, 20, sorry, Ephesians 4, 22 to 24, um, wonderful scripture. Paul writes, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Now, there's a lot in those two verses. You hear things like, I've got to put off my old self. I need to be made new in the attitude of my mind and to put on the new self. There's, there's, there's spiritual battles going on there at a soul level. It includes the mind, it includes the will, it, 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 it includes the will because we need to make decisions daily. Decision to not think a certain way, but to think like our Lord and Savior Jesus thinks. And if we struggle with that, guess what we do? We say, Lord, would you help me to think differently? Would you help me to, to actually believe what you've done for me, to help me to rid myself and to clothe myself with you? And this is the, the journey of walking with a person, and walking with a Savior, compared to just believing him once. And then just trusting that the tree's going to do its own thing. But actually, he wants to journey with us and bring us into a place of maturity and holiness and righteousness. Because there's an increase here. 
Peter, I'll get, to, I'll get to Peter at some point, but Paul's actually very practical in much of his writing, isn't he? You see all these um, phrases of make every effort and take off and put on. So daily, what do we put on daily? We put on our, the man himself. We're actually, we're actually called to put on the man Jesus Christ. Fill our thoughts, Lord. Fill my heart. My heart. Change my attitude. Yeah. Put, <laughs> put on the t-shirt. Put the t-shirt on inside. And the, where the battle rages in our soul. Hey? One day we'll see him exactly how he is. Remember the disciples, remember in, in Acts, the disciples saw him go and they were stunned. Where is Jesus gone? Imagine me just being beamed up in front of your eyes. You'd be sad. You'd be used to seeing me and hugging my sweaty body after worship and then I'm gone. Terribly devastated, I hope. And you're longing to see. And the angel says, don't worry. The way you saw him go, you'll see him return. But You know, Jesus had to go to make things more intimate for us and personal. Crazy, yeah. Imagine the disciples thinking, but it can't be more intimate. It can't be more personal because you're with us, eating with us, and now you're not. But I'm sending you someone better for it. I'm sending you the Holy Spirit. It's going to remind you and shape you and challenge you. And the Holy Spirit's role in training our souls, training our souls for godliness is vital. It's him that comes in and convicts and uh, calls us to repentance, which is the beginning of wisdom. Yeah? Calling us to a place of where maturity starts is when he starts to cut us and speak to us and challenge us. And then we begin to sh- shift the attitudes of our heart and, and the way we think. Wow, how am I doing for time? I just want to set a foundation because I, I think there's a topic we, uh, we teach this one time and then we move on. It's like it's what runs through us, it, uh, yeah, isn't it? It's a, it's, a, it's a lifetime. But I, I just, my sense on the holidays was, man, we cannot, we cannot live like those trees because it's not what the Lord uh, uh, bought us for. It's not what he, the price he paid was that we would be upright and flourishing and, and looking exactly like him. Okay. So we've seen those pictures. I've got none other. I hope that they do sit clearly in your mind. But here's the thing. When we get born again, it's not only our, our sinful nature that gets dealt with and, and changed. But also, sin, when we miss the mark with Jesus, when we miss the mark of perfection, miss that mark not just with our character, but with everything. Even my speech, every day I, I miss the mark with just how I speak and what I say. And we don't get condemned and beat up about it, but when we're close to him, we realize, man, that just the way I said that wasn't like him. So, we hear his voice, we adjust, and he shapes our, our soul in that way. Personality is another one I mentioned earlier. You know, we grow in our walk with Jesus. We grow in our salvation, even by our personalities changing. I believe that's a, 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 a really mature stage of our, of our walk. Where we know what he's dealt, dealing with our sinful nature, but what about the way I come across? What, do you know how, what a shy person I was? I was never someone who would speak, ever, even before Taryn knew me. I was a shy kid in the class, uh, never wanting to speak publicly, uh, but God did something different, and he's still doing it. I am not uh, the finished product. I'm not the finished product. 
my own life, far from it. But there's something that he did in terms of, you're not, you're not a shy person. Maybe teachers said that or uh, family have said, oh, you're just so shy. Shyness is not something that God gives us. It's, uh, it's something that grows into our personality, probably because someone spoke that over me. I was a shy little boy for a long time. And uh, it's not what he has for us. It's so different. He's called each of us to walk with him, which means wholeness, which means he might say, do something that's totally opposite to what you believed about your personality. No, I'm not someone to take the microphone, or I'm not someone who can pray for another person in the church. No, that's not what he has for you. And sometimes just going against the grain and actually doing that thing, you see the breakthrough and you see the Lord begin to change something in how you think about yourself, and actually your personality begins to shape and change the way he calls it out to be. Amen? Let me give you a Bible example. So you can, you can, you can relate. Anyone else was that shy kid or told that they were shy and they can't speak and they can't be bold and they can't ever do public speaking? It's nonsense. Uh, that is a, I have a personal testimony around that. It's not true. Um, it, was never, it was never the way God intended it to be once he saved my soul and put me inside of, of his son, his perfect son. Okay. So what about some Bible examples of people who changed? What about John? I had a, a, just a great example. John and James. Uh, where did we watch The Chosen with you guys? <clears throat> the other night at home group, Devilton and Annette, Chad and Karan, we watched The Chosen. So beautiful to see it again. And uh, uh, you see Jesus walking with James and John. And they come into the, that, that scene with the Samaritans. And they like spit at Jesus. And, they, and, and all John and James want to do in their youthful zeal is jump at these guys and give them a smack. And like, oh, we can relate as guys, can't we? This is my Jesus. How can you do that? And Jesus just stops them. You can't do that. And uh, there was this mercy and this love from Jesus. And they didn't get it because they were the sons of thunder, weren't they? They just wanted to go at everything. Their personality was zeal and passion. And you can't say these things. You can't come up against our rabbi. And then how did John end his life? He was the apostle of love, this gentle, old, wise. Was he still zealous and fervent? Yes, but he'd learned that his personality wasn't to just go out and box everybody. By that time in his journey, he was an older man who learned to take his zeal and his passion and put it through his letters, which come across. You can almost, when you read John's letters, you can, this guy's passionate. He's still thunderous. But he's, it's love. It's like his personality is he's been changed by the Lord. He's, there's a maturity, actually. He just become mature. But it, and he'd grown in the passions that he had. But he needed to be shaped that way, which is what happens. Okay. Wonderful. So training ourselves. So here's the thing. Sometimes, I'll jump to Peter. Let me just jump to Peter. 1 Peter 2. I said I'd share something from Peter as well, so it's not all Paul's writing. But 1 Peter 2, 11 to 12. Peter writes, Dear friends, I urge you, writing to the church that believes as aliens and strangers in this world, abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. So there's that picture of the spiritual battle happening again. He says, Live such 
good lives among the pagans, that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Beautiful promise of how they should live in verse 12. But verse 11, Peter calls us to abstain. Now, to abstain means you just choose, so it's the will and the mind, to not do something. Okay? And I know that takes willpower. Sometimes it's, it's really hard when we, we've been told in Scripture that we have desires in us. These are believers. We're being told that we have desires in us that are sinful. But I thought that we've already been made righteous and perfect. Well, we have. But practically, it's still outworking itself. We still have a war raging. There's a sin. There's sin crouching at our door, warring against our soul. And Peter's tonic for that, or medication for that, is he says abstain, a very practical term. Stop it. Stop it. Get those desires into me, and I will begin to change the desires. Picture the tree. Eh? The only way to change our desires is to, is to be in Christ and realize that there is a war happening every single day over our soul. There's something in us that's wanting to save us, and there's something in us crouching that's wanting to destroy us. <laughs> and I know sometimes we don't want to believe that the sin nature is still operating. And we want to sit in the camp of <laughs> the new nature. We must think that way, legally. But we have to practically realize that we're in a battle every day. And things that we've been instructed to do in Scripture, like abstaining and renewing our mind and training ourselves for godliness, all of these terms, clothing ourselves, putting off the old self, have to do with our emotions, our will, our mind, our soul, and training ourselves for godliness, which is the root to maturity, which is the root that the Bible calls us to as we work out our salvation with fear and trembling, with reverence. And the beauty is I'm hoping to conclude now with some keys of like how we do it. Number one, the Father's given us his Son who is perfect. So we have Jesus. But then he's gone above and beyond and given us one another. So our journey together becomes vital in that we open our lives up to one another so that we go the distance and that we never, ever stay bent trees with a soul that's bent out of shape like that. It's not what God has for us, certainly not what he desires. So, as I say, I think I want to share just three points as I end. And I'm not going to go huge, huge depth into each of them because I think there's many parts beyond that we can dig into these. But how would we actually walk this out? How would we actually do this? Um, and so, you know, every time we share, the goal of sharing with one another is that we encounter the Lord together. As in my heart this morning is that we encounter Him. We encounter Him as we leave this place. We pray for one another. And we always come to a place where we encounter, whether it's through worship, whether it's through connecting with one another. We need to know that something of the Lord. I've encountered something of his heart here today. So we go away differently. But how do we encounter him? Sometimes we forget what he's given us. And Jeremiah says, you'll find me, you'll seek me and find me. You will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. And so the promise from God is to Jeremiah and to us is that you will find me when you seek me, only seek me with all your heart. And all your heart, I often used to think it's just, 
maybe like a young John and James. Can I just be zealous and passionate and all out? Because that's like all your heart, right? And then I'll find you. But I believe it's more than that. All of your heart means that you can seek me with a small part of your heart kept to yourself, and you're not going to find me. So in other words, every single part of our heart needs to be all out for him. If we hold anything back in our own strength, if there's anything that we don't give to him from the place of our heart, we're not seeking him in the way that he wants us, and we actually won't find him. So I think there's like a heart surgery moment maybe for us. It's like just to make sure before the Lord that he has access to every part of our heart. Sometimes it's a painful area that we're just not willing to expose. Maybe it's an area that we've taken full control of, my health journey, the raising of my kids' journey, my financial situation journey, you know, the difficulties of living in this load-shedding, crazy country right now. I'm just going to take that section of my heart and, Lord, I'm going to serve you 75%. I'm going to seek you. But that other, you know, that other 25%, I'm just going to make plans and, I'm just going to like, you know, make sure there's three other countries I can exit to in the next five years. And if the, you know, what hits the fan, I will go. It's not giving God 100% of our heart. And we're not going to find him. We're not going to be seeking him with everything. I think that's a great challenge for us in this day and age. So we tend to make plans with our own strength. We jump into place of making plans. And there's an area of our heart that we're not seeking his face fully with 100% of our heart. And that's what he's saying to Jeremiah. So he wants us to seek him, to find his presence. What I look at every day, presence of God or the situation and the circumstance of the day. He wants us to seek him to find his presence. Number one, how we shape our souls. We find his presence, first one. We spend an enormous amount of time in his truth, we find his word. Number two, the word will shape our souls. Reading the word of God will shape our souls. It will train us for godliness. It sounds so simple, but we have to say it to ourselves really often. Be in God's word. Hebrews 4.12 says, for the word of God is alive and active. The word of God is alive and active. It's not just a book. It's not just theory. We're not just going to learn stuff. We're going to do, do warfare. And we're going to do battling of our souls as we read his word, which is alive and active. Word says it's sharper than any double-edged sword. And it penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. And the word of God judges the thoughts and the attitudes of our heart. There's our soul right there. The way we think and the attitudes of our heart. The word of God cuts in and judges that. So as we read and spend time in the Word, guess what happens? We're doing soul surgery. The battle is happening, and the bent-out-of-shape soul, that tree, is beginning to get shaped as it should be. Number two, the Word of God. And number three, worship. Didn't you find this morning the life and the breath of God coming into your soul as we're led by worship gifts and the presence of God amongst His people? You know that He, he has that for us as a way of living. I felt to ask us a question, and I'm asking myself the very question. Is, this is something he's challenged me on. So when last did you or I just have two people, three people, four people, or as many as this family, your family that God has placed you in, when last 
Did you just invite them into your home and say, we're going to seek God's face and worship? Maybe read the word. But worship. Put on music and seek him with no agenda. It's a very pertinent question to ask. Because he has that for us as a tool. He has that as a weapon for warfare. He has that as a way of our souls being shaped. That we would just open up our homes without an agenda and say, we're seeking God tonight. Come. Yeah, it's very easy to find someone with a guitar, or if not, just put on YouTube. But really, yeah, Thursday nights are happening. There is, I know there's a, there's a bunch of guys that have been doing that faithfully, but it's something of a lifestyle. I know the hearts of those who do it, the worshipers, is to break it open as a lifestyle, as a lifestyle for all of us to live in. That's the heart behind it, to be something of a weapon that shapes us and molds us and brings us into what the Lord has. It's the point of worship. And uh, that's the third point. So the word, his presence, the word, and worship. And the fourth and final one is repentance. James 4 verse 5. Love this book. Practical James. Verse, chapter 4 verse 8 says, Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. So here again, the call is to come into his presence. That's what James says. But the promise is as you come to him, he's going to come near to you. And that's what we want is we want his presence. And sometimes coming near to God is actually a change of heart. Like, Lord, I'm sorry. I've messed up. Or uh, I need to come back. I've been away. Come into your presence again. And he, he loves that and he responds. He always responds to our coming to him. He loves that. He's his father. I know what it's like. There's nothing better when one of my children, or both of them, come near to me. You can't help as a parent coming nearer to them, right? It's um, so beautiful when on their own, on their own uh, decision, they come and love you and pour themselves out on you. And then you respond in a way that only a parent would only respond. It's the same with our father. He loves you coming near to him. And two other scriptures on uh, repentance, which is a change the way we're going. It's a change of mind, but it's a change of action, and it's us taking a whole different direction. Romans 12, 2, do not conform to the pattern of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And then you'll be able to test and approve what the perfect will of God is. Don't we want that? His good and pleasing will. Don't we want to know what He wants for our lives? What He wants us to do today, tomorrow, this year? Lord, just give, we just Show me your will. Just tell me what to do. It'll be so amazing. Well, guess what? He wants to do that for us. He wants to show us what he, what he has for us. He wants to lead us. And uh, he's inviting us to be led by him. He wants, to, he wants to take us on a daily journey, speaking to us and us hearing him clearly and journeying with our Lord. But he says, renew, transform, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. We need to, there's, there's soul battle to be done in the place of our mind as well. And last scripture as I come to close. It's 2 Corinthians 10 and 10 verse 5. It's taking our thoughts captive. Again, the, the part of the, the mind part of our soul. And it says, We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. Okay? And how do we do that? We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. You know, Taking captive every single thought. How many thoughts come into our mind every day? Oh, my word. But that for me is a picture of intimacy again. Not work. It's intimacy. Because we do this with him. We say, Lord, that thought, I bring it to you. 
And guess what? I'm in the presence of God. And I'm doing business with my thoughts. I'm taking captive. That's, that's a lie. I know that's not true about me. I know that part of me has changed. I know that you have more for me. Lord, I bring that and I put it at your feet. I won't believe it. Help me with that. And we begin to journey in a place of intimacy. Okay. I'm going to leave it there. Uh, and just pray for us for a moment. Come on. Can we stand together, guys? Come, let's just close our eyes and we'll pray for us. Just to create a moment for the Lord. Uh, and I pray and ask Him to come and, come and speak to us as children. Okay. Yeah, Lord Jesus, I, I want to thank you for uh, your word. Quite a few scriptures from your word that we shared this morning. I pray that they would really sink into our hearts, Lord. Uh, it wouldn't just sit in our mind, but it would actually really get into uh, the deep place of our soul and begin to work. Pray that these truths would last with us, Lord. They wouldn't be left as we leave gathering together. But actually these truths would go down deep into our soul, penetrate. Pray that your word would do what your word promises it would do, would be to divide, uh, to divide soul and spirit. That you would come into the deepest places of our heart and do business there. And so I ask this in your name, Jesus. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord.